and you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line today by two-time All-Ireland winner and current chairman of Offaly GA, Michael Dignan. Michael, thanks a million for taking the call. No problem at all, Eddie. Happy to. Michael, um, interesting times, you know, with the whole way we are at the moment in, in, in COVID and trying to keep funding properly for... Um, county boards and for clubs and counties in general but you're, you're in the process of doing a very good initiative there in Offaly with the, the club and county fundraiser Yeah um, Eddie I suppose it's, it's, um, it is very difficult and I, I suppose I'm just a little over a year in the job now as, as, uh, as chairperson of Offaly GA and one of the I suppose things we would have been very aware of uh, last year was, was, was the lack of money we ended up with a deficit of 260,000 at the end of the year and uh, I suppose going forward, one you know, th- there's a number of things we're looking at. We're developing a strategic plan at the minute, and one of the one of the pillars will be, I suppose, sustainable finance and you know proper fundraising, sponsorship and fundraising group, which we have established, and we had our first meeting the other night. And um, uh, I suppose we have some, you know, medium and long term ideas around that. And I think we will. I, I think it, we, it will be very successful, uh, given I suppose we can when we can get through COVID. But in the very short term, I suppose Eddie. What we're the reality is what we're facing um, at the minute is we have a two hundred thousand euro cash deficit in Offaly this morning as we speak, um, and we had to go about trying to to bridge that. Even you know we're we're talking about going back training hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So it's it's an awful position to be in, but we have to help ourselves to get out of it. So we just look. We've had this Grand Canal walk for the last couple of years, run by our supporters club, Club Faithful, and I just felt this year. And with 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 uh, with our management, we had a chat that we'd bring our clubs on board as well because it, I suppose a lot of our clubs um, would be struggling as well, a lot of very small rural clubs. So we came up with the idea that uh, every club would nominate one person uh, with forty one clubs in Offaly to do the walk, and any funds then that that club would raise would go. That people would sponsor that person, and then we'd split the funds fifty fifty. Um, three weeks into it, then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we brought the senior hurling and senior footballers into it. Both both panels were very anxious to get involved so all the senior players uh, signed up as well uh, to raise money again which has been split 50-50 with their club and county and six 620s from our hurlers and footballers signed up all the under 20s are going to do it but there was just six players each on behalf of those and then all our minors are also doing it the, the players are all running the 5k I might have to pass on that one tomorrow we'll see how we go but uh, so look it's gone very well we're, we're gone over 150,000 uh, as we speak and uh, we still have a co- you know we're going to leave it open for a week so um, look it's novel I think uh, in that we've included the clubs and look it, it it's, it's part I suppose of the strategy behind it really from my point of view um, Eddie would be that um, you know I would I would reckon that in the morning I, I use this as an example at a county board meeting if we were in a, an All-Ireland final again now that's a long way off at the minute from where we are but you know how many tickets would we sell? Fifteen, twenty thousand is probably the region in Offaly, um, and I'm sort of saying, well, we have that level of supporters. So if, if those fifteen or twenty thousand people would give you twenty quid a year, even once a year for the Grand Canal Walk, that'd be three hundred thousand a year, uh, which would go, which w- would put a fair hole in our in our sponsorship and fundraising for the year and what we need to to supplement our, our team. So you know, I I I'd be a big believer in yes, we will have a we will have a corporate influence on our on our fundraising, but there, I think. I think we missed the point sometimes in the GA. We're always looking for this, uh, you know, we're talking about commercial managers and going after the big corporate and all that. But if you get your own members uh, to throw in a few quid um, and, you know, come up with a way of including people, it brings, I think it brings everyone closer together and brings everybody with you. And that's a huge part of what we're trying to do in Offaly. We're trying to rebuild our county, but also our clubs and, we're tra- because of, and our schools and everything else because they all have to work together. If they don't, 
we're not going to get there at the end of the day and we're not going to be successful No 100% and it is it is brilliant to see that, like I know you'd set a target of 150,000 initially so it's it's great to know that you've you've, you've reached that target and you're, and you're going to probably beat it over the next couple of days as well Yeah well I, I don't know if we did set a target I think when it was going fairly well we you know, when, we, when it got there 100 we said would we get 150 and look it was never to me the money was important as I said it's very important but it was more about how many people that's what I'm focusing in and, and like as of the other day there was over 3,000 people I contributed I, I would be saying can we get that to 4 can we get it to 5,000 people and next year can we get it to 10,000 people and that's and it's back to my and, and I, I think you know if, if, you, if, you, if you get there and, and also it's not just the, the money it's also that they're interested and people are back buying into Offaly GA because we have we have a very unusual county here um, Eddie and I suppose our, our, our glory days would have shown that uh, in terms of from a very small pick, the, way, the, the ability, I suppose, to to win all earns in you know at all levels uh, from 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 you know over over 30, 40 year period there, um, but the quality, I suppose, and the type of players that we produced as well, and the, and the flair element, and and to mix hurling and football so well as well in a small county, um, but we also had had magnificent support as well as as, as witnessed in ninety eight with the city in Grove Park. I don't know you know if any other county would have done that off the cuff, but. So we would have a we would have a we would have our own type of tradition in Offaly. I think that is completely unique to Offaly, and but we maybe have lost that bit of confidence in ourselves because of our results over the last ten or fifteen years, which you know where we we've stagnated in the GA world, but we're still very well respected. And we've got a, it's it's amazing the donations coming in there. Like even to myself, a lot of people from outside of Offaly donating uh, to us because I think we are a lot of people are anxious to see Offaly improving so look it's it's great it's a, it's been very positive in, in a tough time and 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 again um, you know our senior hurlers did a fundraiser during first lockdown and raised about seventy thousand for for jigsaw offley and for offley down syndrome and and you know and so we have done our share of community and and, and charity work as well but i suppose we, we, we want to shame to say this and we need we need a bit of support here now as well um to get us get us just through the next next number of months and then as i say we we have a we have a long-term strategy around our whole sponsorship and fundraising which will kick in after that and and uh, to support you know, a lot of other stuff that we're doing in coaching games, but primarily is where, where our focus is. Um, uh, Michael, just, just just one of the things that you touch on there, because I'm, I'm going to start moving back a little bit into your career. It was the support you're saying from outside of Offaly. Um, you mightn't have known it at the time because you were playing. You definitely didn't know it at the time you were playing. Though. But like I, I was living yeah. in Westmead. Um, I'm from Athlone originally myself. And my uncle would have been in Offaly, so... At the time when you were kind of, you look at the early nineties. At that stage, there hurling in Westmead was kind of, I won't say non-existent, but we weren't competitive. So there was never a time that I go to see a Westmead hurling match. But we used to always travel to the Offaly games uh, to cheer ye on, um, and it was it was such a, a brilliant time because I I I don't know why it it happened the way it did. Like when I look back, like if you think about it, I was probably fourteen or fifteen back then, and. I would have always assumed that Offaly were always kingpins and hurling because you know you yeah. don't you know when you're a young lad you don't look back prior oh. to your time, um, but that that era the t- the team of the early nineties the Offaly team of the early nineties was probably one of the if you look at the names now looking back on the team that you played on it was one of the most exciting hurling teams that have ever graced the pitch. Well, I'd like to think so. Um, I, I I wouldn't put myself in that category, but I, I was very lucky and blessed to play with so many. I suppose just artists, really, you know, and uh, and 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 just to take your point, that we w- would have been sort of aware of it because I suppose I would have I was born in '68 and Offaly had won a minor football in '64, which is the kind of breakthrough for the football. They had been in a Leinster final, All Ireland final in 1960 in senior football, but 91,000 people themselves went down bet them. Um, 
but I was born and Offaly had won the football Ireland in 71 and 2 so like you, so I was growing up you know, as a young fella in the 70s where Hurlum wasn't hadn't you know we'd won our first, we didn't win our first Leinster till 1980 when I was 12 so that had a huge influence on me and I'm actually down in Banner um, as we speak here down 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 with my mother I stay a couple of nights a week my dad died there this time last year so I stay with her a couple of nights but I grew up on the street here and um you know, Aidan Fogarty was across the road. Tony Redden, the great Tipperary goalie, lives straight across the road. Uh, God rest him, uh, he, he died a couple of years ago. Um, but but Parry Corn, I suppose, was the captain of that team. He was from Rhinus and um, Damien Martin, the great goalkeeper. And, um, you know, so I, I and Rhinus themselves, my club team, had a great team. So I was growing up in that. Uh, and there's a roundabout way, go back to your question. But we, so we didn't have, until Offaly made the breakthrough in 80 and then through the 80s. And interesting what you say about Westmead. I remember playing, I came on the Offaly senior team in 86. and. Westmead were, were very strong at the time. There wasn't much between Offaly and Westmead. Even Offaly had won the Ireland in eighty one and five. Um, you know, remember a couple of very tough league games and and the Kilcoins and you know the one David I think was the won the All Star and you know so so that, that that was I suppose the lead the lead up. But but I would have been sort of aware. I was I I went to I was in boarding school initially and then I went to Waterford for a year and I went to Dublin to work. But everywhere I went, people were talking about Offaly because that football team, the eighty two All Ireland, you know, the Matt Connors of this world and and Derby's goal and and you know all that was very much and then Offaly in 85 and so so I think the 81 85 so we did not earn 81 82 85 and I think that buzz around the Offaly players but then this team these three minor teams came in 86 7 and 9 I was on the 86 team and we won our only three minor Irons ever in the space of four years and that's I suppose where a lot where all those Brian Wheelhands and Johnny Dooley's and John Tries and 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 all those lads came from then you know and these lads were just I suppose because they had grown up with that sort of birthright that after winning the Irons, they certainly knew nothing different. When I was growing up, I knew a little bit that we had the dark days, but these lads just grew up as winners. Like, and from the minute they started in Boring College and, and, and Banner Vocational School, like it was winning all Irelands, beating Cairns, beating Kilkenny. Like that was just the, the, to them that was the the norm. The Johnny Pilkingtons, you heard, you saw his Laker Gale. There was just no fear there with these lads, and and they hurled with that abandon and and that confidence and. And and they were and we look back now and we had an unbelievable time. There were a great bunch of lads, brilliant characters and personalities, and all different. And and um, we had a, we had a great time. But it was um, it was a very competitive time for hurling as well. And you know we ended up people do say we only won we only won two All Irelands, but it was a huge time with you know with the Clare team and the Wexford team. Then obviously Kilkenny and Galway and Tip and Cork and everyone else was was still there. So the nineties was a great time for hurling, and I think our team was hugely popular because of the way we played the game. Yeah, but like even even at it, Michael, and, and you're 100% right, like the spread of, of the winners in the 90s, you know, you, you did such a much, uh, such a bigger spread of winners. I know, you know, you've now got kind of Limerick in, in the noughties hasn't been too bad, Kilkenny, Limerick, Tip, Cork, you know, or Kilkenny, Limerick, Tip, I think it's just the three of them, isn't it? Um, in, in this era. But, but looking back on that team, that you played with, and, and and it's kind of I'm, I'm leading you into a question from this, but th- like it, it'd be remiss of me not to talk about the 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 ninety f- or the yeah the ninety four All Ireland final, um, you know it's 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 widely accepted as the five minute All Ireland final, um the the question I want to ask you about is when I, when I remember when we used to go and watch you play, you could be losing by five points and there'd be about a minute to go, and Crow Park had normally empty. You know, if a team is down by four or five points, you'd say, right, we're gone, we're goosed. But ye were never gone. So there was, I don't know, I don't know why or how or what it was, but like until the full-time whistle went, Offaly were never beaten. So it didn't matter if Offaly were losing by three or four points going into injury time. For some reason, ye just seemed to 
dig out wins. Like, you know, games that you, yeah. sh- you should probably... If you look at the All-Ireland Final in 94 in a non-awfully tinted glasses and watch, say, the first 75% of that game or 80% of that game, you weren't at your usual brilliant best. And then, like a light switch, bang, it was just an explosion of hurling that you just you just went to war. Was it something that you were doing in your training or was it in your psyche or is it something you noticed yourself that you just, you never were beaten like? Um, no, I, like that was one particular day, but I, but in a general sense, you're right. Um, it, it happened a number of times, you know, um, and it was something that was in our psyche and it's probably something that we've lost that we, it, it, that comes down to that confidence I was talking about, I suppose, and in your own ability. And I think we would have, from a hurling point of view, we would have learned that from Kilkenny, um, possibly Dermot, Dermot Healy's influence in the Offaly team in eighty, you know, in the eighties when he came, he won won won, won those all Ireland's as manager in eighty one, eighty five, um, because that's the thing I always felt about Kilkenny teams. Like, and the thing is about when we were playing Kilkenny, and if you were if you were five or six points up, or you were waiting for them to come back at you, and see that gets inside the head, I think, of the opposition. You know, when you have that reputation that you're going to come back, well, then the other team were waiting for it, and they nearly let it happen. You know, it's kind of I think it's psychological as much as and more than anything, maybe in a lot of ways, but. I, I, I still think on that particular day, um, it was down to that. It was da- it was just down to Johnny Dooley, really. Um, he got an instru- like it, you can you can strip away or you can make it as complicated as you want, but the bottom line was we got a twenty one yard free. Um, we were in trouble. Johnny was told to put it over the bar. Johnny wouldn't have been renowned for 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 scoring goals and even penalties and that. You know, he was a great free taker and a great play. Obviously, a brilliant player from general play. But it wouldn't have been one. He wouldn't have been renowned for putting down the ball. He wasn't one of these rocket heavy shot merchants, and he just took that on and he scored it. And then that just the floodgates opened. Like within, I think from the time Johnny Dooley hit his free till the ball hit the net, Pat O'Connor's goal, the second goal, there was only twenty three seconds uh, uh, passed. You know, and, uh, and 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 that was just it was just the way it was. The puck out was taken. Jar uh, Hegarty went up for it. It was knocked out of his hand, um, and Johnny Pilkin poked it back in, and Pat O'Connor stuck in the net, and the rest. It's history. So hurling, look, Eddie, you're looking at hurling long enough, and so am I, and we and to, to understand a hurling game, and we've seen that. You know, I don't. Have, I, I did. I say it last year during the commentary at one stage, in one of the matches, a, te, a ten point lead is a dangerous lead in hurling because there were so many comebacks last year. And I'm, I'm going back maybe to to 2019. I'm talking about now where there was comeback after comeback after comeback, and it can it can happen in hurling uh, so quickly. It's all momentum. A, a goal, a two. You can be eight points up, and a couple of minutes later, it's down to two. A couple of goals go in. So. I, I think it was it was something that we would have been brought up with. I think it was the hurl until the final whistle and you're never beaten and all that. And that certainly was drilled into us in school. And, uh, you know, and I, th- I think that goes back to my, what I was saying earlier about the schools and the important, like Borough Community School, Banner Vocational School. Uh, I didn't go to either, but, but both of them in particular were, were huge strongholds. Uh, uh, and, and there was a huge winning mentality built up in those schools uh, during the 80s when, when all those lads would have been going to school. Um, and, and that certainly played a massive part. And the same with our clubs. We had a very strong club um, uh, structure in Offaly at the time, like Borber obviously went on to win four club Irons, but but Ryan is my own club, uh, Lusma, Clarine with the Dooleys and, and Kevin Keenan and the Cocklands and uh, Cool Derry, and all these clubs won championships around that time when Offaly Hurling was fierce competitive. That there was a lot of very, very strong club teams in Offaly, probably the strongest in the country, I would, I would argue, that we had with four or five teams on a par with any club teams in the country. So so that's why I think that that sort of, you, you can't just produce, as you know, and every you can't just produce county teams without having that 
quality up along and right throughout your system. So, um, but look, it was it it it, it was it, and, and and look the dooley the dooleys all learned. I've said that many times to score two eleven between them in the Ireland final three brothers into one forward line um, to do that in the Ireland final. I don't think it'll never it'll never happen again. And uh, and uh, it was just. I, I, you know, it was one of those days that it just happened in front of you, and he said, "How did it, it just? It, it, it took. It probably took. It was the middle of the following week. I said to sink in that we're after winning this thing. You know, it was it was incredible. And but Michael, like when you look at when you look at that time, like genuinely, and I remember because when I, when I left Westmead, I moved to Wexford, and I remember um, I can't remember was it a Leinster final as well that Offaly got a late goal in that game, and and. It was. It was just the time. It was. It was. It was a great time to like Offaly hurling. It was a great time to love Offaly hurling, and and f- for me, what I what I can't get my head around at all, and I'm hoping that you might be able to shine a bit of light on this if you could at all. But if you think about it, say that 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 era of the nineties, ninety, ninety four, ninety five, like Offaly were seriously competitive, and 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 where I think about these things is the impressionable. 13, 14, 15 year olds like when I go for a walk around Kilkenny everywhere I look there's young lads carrying hurls now that won't continue unless the Kilkenny hurling team get 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 back in gear like hurling is is religion down here there's no question or doubt about it but it's it's religion because of the success that they're seeing on the field from the Camogie team and, and from the men's senior hurling team they're the ones that we look up to and we want to be and likewise with you guys in the 90s and I it just I can't understand what caused the Offaly, and you know, it it is it is a fall off. Like Offaly had a had a bang for the eighties and nineties, and have have slowly. Now I know there's recoveries there at the moment, and and, and things are starting to improve. But can, can you put a finger on what was the reason that the competitiveness of Offaly's senior hurling team, where you'd be looking at them realistic All Ireland contenders every year, to now being where we are? Like how how did how did it get to that? That's probably a different question um, than your original one, um, but I, I, I'll, I'll make a stab at it. I suppose um, what we had, we, we, we had a very simple structure within the county. Now, and and we were probably very lucky. Like, we won three minor learns in four years um, for a county of awfully size. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about hurling here now more so than, say, on the football side. They, they had started to probably slide in the, you know, a bit early, and they did make a good comeback in the late 90s, winning the Leinster in the National League, but... But from a hurling point of view, so what we had was we had we had ninety like and and this and this is a thing that wasn't sustainable in the long term. But our players came from a very very small area first of all, um, uh, maybe a seven mile radius of border. Like we that minor first minor team that we won the Ireland with in eighty six. Twelve of the first fifteen came from two clubs, uh, seven from border and five from Rhinus, my club. So like, that, so can you imagine any other team in the history of the GA winning the Ireland with twelve players and two clubs? That's unbelievable. It just yeah, so it wouldn't happen. So it was, so the, the, it was just, first of all, a freakish era. And I kind of even knew that growing up at 14, 13, 14. The quality of the under-14 hurling, like this was even before the Brian Whelans and Johnny Picklins came. Now, I would have been to Dahi Regan here. We were a couple of years older than the lads. But the, the standard was incredible. And it was real basic stuff. Our upbringing in, in Rhinus was, uh, you know, there was, very, there was very committed people involved. There was no frills about them. They were passionate about their club, uh, our club, was going very well. Borden hadn't won a senior championship since 71. The, the won their first in 91 with a 20-year-old Brian Whelan as captain after a 20-year spell. But they they had brother Vincent in the national school. They had brother Dennis in the secondary school. We had Jackie Ryland and Tommy Fogarty and Banner. And so um, 
Pat McNamara in, and, and in the school and, and all of these people were working away in a quiet sort of way and then all these people, all these players came and then I suppose it happens maybe in every generation, you saw it in Kilkenny and all the hurling that you have you, like there's still an era to, to get Henry Shefflin and JJ Delaney and Tommy Walsh and you know I can go on and on and on in Kilkenny but, but even by Kilkenny standards the generation of players that came at that particular time it was was immense, you know, with with with, with that with, with with the with that brilliant. I know there was a number of different teams, but you know the core of the point I'm making that you know probably three or four all time players in Kilkenny came at the one time, and I suppose we had that as well then because, um, you know, so so you can have all the structure and all, and we I think to answer the second part of your question, what's gone wrong is that that all fell away, and you know, we, so we have to go back and rebuild rebuild that, and that's what we, we will work on over, and it'll take it'll take a while, but not as long maybe as some people think. I'd be more optimistic, but so you go back to there. So we had all that, and then then you throw in your 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 your, your Brian Whelan, and you throw in your Johnny Dooley, and you throw in your John Troy, and your Martin Hanemy, Johnny Pilkington, Joe Dooley, you know, and you go on, and, and these individuals sort of sort of sort of came into the into it. So I think that was a huge part, and the family part, like we, you know, the three Dooleys, and then all the other brothers that we had, like we we had the Tries, Jim Try and John Try, and we had. The Wheelands. I'm going to leave out people here now by going on at this, but there was a lot of brothers, right? And uh, so there was a huge unity. So well, one of our downsides was, and the reason I think we didn't win more was because we didn't have a big enough panel, um, because we all basically played all the matches nearly for all the years, right? So you know, uh, if you look at, I'd say the stats of that Offaly team um, in terms of how, if there was a hundred matches in. From 1990 to 2000, I'm not saying what I I played maybe 127 matches or something roughly. I'd say most of our lads played nearly every match, uh, you know, league and championship, and I think that was a downside to the small numbers and the fact that we weren't drawn from North Offaly, where I live now myself and my own son sons are playing and you know and we we've won minor and under 20 championships and we're up senior in our club over there and there's other clubs there in North Offaly now doing work which you know you should be feeding into the system, but it was a downside to us as one of our strengths was was that sort of family-like atmosphere we had within the county. So we were like a big club team, um, even though when we went back to our own clubs, we were fiercely competitive, but we were very, very close um, uh, on and off the field, that that particular bunch. Um, but I suppose there was probably 10 or 12 of a hardcore that were there for 13 or 14 years, or 12 or 13 years. Um, and that was maybe a downside afterwards then that, that we, we didn't we didn't spread the pool, if you know what I'm saying. So when we finished, an awful lot of us finished at nearly the one time within a couple of years of each other, most of that team went and it left a huge hole and well for a short time we did manage to fill it it then started to slide very very quickly um and i just think it was because the structures weren't put in place for the for the for the future not true i think any deliberate intention i suppose things were so good um you know like we were the first county to win an all-star in every position in hurling and football which is incredible you know we had that sort of and, and maybe people just thought this was going to continue forever and and you made a point there about Kilkenny that it won't continue, but you know I, I would think there will always be hurdle. That's not going to happen. But but it is you can't ever you can't really ever take your eye off the next year and the next year and the next year. And I would have always thought Kilkenny were good. I even see them moving now with their new academy. You know, the, and they did that before back when the, they didn't win Ireland for a couple of years back in the in the early two thousands. They brought in a, a lot of play, people as well and and, and did a root and branch. You know, look at it, and that's what you need to do. You need to keep on top of it, and it takes a lot of work, and it takes a, a lot of structure, and a lot of people, and and you have to make sure that that's there, um, you know, on an ongoing basis if you want to, if you want to stay at the top, uh, as particularly when you have the challenges that smaller counties have in terms of money, in terms of numbers, particularly numbers, human resources. So you have to make the very most out of every every child that comes out of every house has to be 
as to get to a GA field as far as I'm concerned. And and that's that's the level we're looking at now. We're looking at demographics, we're looking at 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 at, at specific areas and 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 you know some areas we have a couple of big urban areas outside that we have very small rural areas and we have to look at how we can maximize the participation levels of all our children boys and girls because that's a huge part it's a no-brainer to me that we have to include everybody you mentioned camogie in kilkenny which is very strong like camogie ladies football in offley uh, joining them with us is hugely important in terms of the dynamic of a family taking part in the ga and being involved in the ga and their parents being involved it's a it's 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 a most basic uh requirement that I feel and, and it will breed new life into our county if we can grasp that and be maybe a leader leader on that, which we, we, we are even our strategic plan, our, our Camogie and Ladies Football Associations are very involved with us on in that as well because we want to bring it all forward. But if you, just on just on it as well and it's and and the point you make is very well made. Um with, with Kilkenny, the point I was saying is is is, is that there what it's it's easy to drive it. It's easier to drive it in Kilkenny when they're being driven by a, success, a successful side and it is easier to sell it but the other easy sell that Kilkenny have um, now they won't thank me for saying this but it's the truth like there's no point in sweeping over it Kilkenny only have one sport um, so all their focus is specifically on Camogie and Hurling um, and, 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 and Hurling is, is is it we don't you know you'll, you'll hear rumblings that we make a, an effort with, with Gaelic football but I don't think any county team in the country will shiver at the thoughts of playing the Kilkenny senior football team in the first round of the championship because everyone in Kilkenny is so driven towards the hurling. And awfully, with a smaller population, I, I would say, are very close to similar populations, possibly a little bit smaller and awfully. He successfully managed to compete in both grades in football and hurling. And I'm sure it's something that, that you're working towards. You're not focusing on left or right. I presume you're straight down the middle here. This is a dual county and that's what it's going to continue to be. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I suppose that, <clears throat> that was a bit of a challenge I had, I suppose, in t- terms I would have been seen as, you know, f- from a hurling background. I did play senior football for Offaly as well for, for a couple of years, but I just couldn't mix the two. I love football, actually. Um, you know, I know it, it has its detractors at times, but uh, from a from a participation participation point of view, I actually love the game. But, um, but no, we are very much a dual county and always have been. And look, I have sympathy for, you know, it's something that, and, and I won't go into it in too much detail now, but like you have, say, a lot of football-only counties around the country and they don't, they only pay lip service to Hurling and, you know, Kilkenny don't have an interest in football. You're not telling any lies there and I, neither am I. Um, and because it is very challenging to have the two of them going, you know, like your big dual counties like Cork and Galway and Dublin, um, you know, fair enough to have the population and to have the structure and whatever. Um, and, but, but I suppose from an awfully point of view, it is difficult. But to me, it is it is what the GA is about. You know, you should be offering your games, and you know, uh, uh, like even say handball is part of it. It's fallen off and off. It has a very proud tradition in handball as well. But again, you know, we, it's very hard to solve everything and look at everything. But 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 certainly as a basic hurling and football, um, and camogie and ladies football are the are the core pillars, and the growth of ladies sport is huge. And I don't. I think if you don't grasp, like I was chairman of our minor club over in Balnamiradoro for for seven years, and. We were a year in operate. We, we started from a very very low base, and one of the most significant things we did was like we, we went through the whole thing of coach recruitment, and coach education, and player recruitment, and getting them out of our national schools and all that sort of stuff. And we we grew our numbers, but we we set up a ladies football club. Now we had Camogie with Tullamore, which is just in the road, so it didn't make sense to form a Camogie club. But we formed a ladies football club, and that was maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, long ago, now. Um, yeah, maybe maybe eight or nine years ago. 
but they went on and won a minor championship last year for the first time. The, 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 that first team had come through and we won two minor hurling, two A minor hurling and under 20 hurling. So like it can be done. Do you know what I mean? Starting from a low base and, and if you put in the right structures, and I know it's only a small club I'm talking about versus the county, but it's the same principles. It's the very same principles that are that are involved. Um, but but bringing bring in the, the, the ladies element, like if, if you were at home in the house and I have two sons that don't have daughters, but but if you have if you have a couple of kids, two or three kids, and you have a boys and girls or whatever, like they they deserve the same opportunities and the same and the same access to facilities and the same access to your club, and then bringing them down. And now you, you're you're getting that buy-in because you know we, we it's it, it's equal and it's open and you're, you're you're from a social perspective everybody's involved from a numbers from a financial point of view hugely important because you're 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 getting your memberships and you're getting those people involved in your club and your fundraisers and all that type of thing and you're breathing life into the whole thing so so like we we have small numbers but we would certainly we will never be looking at one sport over the other we'd be looking at, at getting as many kids uh regardless of their sex or their or, or their or any other um and uh, 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 any other um um What's the word I'm looking for? You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter as, as inclusive as we can be. I suppose it is 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 where we're we're building towards. And uh, and and but I do have sympathy for for a county like if, if you're trying to start hurling in a county like it's a it's it's not an easy game to coach. Um, you know, we had a we had a base here and it fell away. You know what I mean? A very strong base. Um, but trying to start it. But I I do think that you know if you can get the people like you really, you know, if you are in the GA and you're in it for the right reasons, you, you have a responsibility as far as I'm concerned. Um, to expose your children to both hurling and football, and just 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 on it, I, it was one of the things, and I know it's 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 a fair point, and and you're 100 percent right about the inclusion and, and getting people in there. Um, with my own club, you know, we've we've a full hurling side to the club and football, um, but also with the Camogie, we amalgamate with another club because we just don't have the population to to feel the team on our own. Um, yeah. from that side, but but we do, and we do try and compete at every level, you know, and we do our very very best with it. But it was just, it was an interesting point that was made to me a couple of weeks back when I spoke to, um, I think it was John Mulhall that actually brought it up with me. And I just want to ask you yourself on this one. John had pointed out to me, now John obviously is quite young, but he pulled out a diary from, from Kilkenny GEA from, say, 1996 or 1997. It was just the annual yearbook. And he, and he flicked to the back pages of it. And he started rhyming off all these um, competitions that have now... They just don't happen anymore, and 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 the point that he was making to me was that he felt that we were becoming quite elitist, and I know elitist is probably the wrong word, but if you take the Junior A hurling championship in Kilkenny, the level of Junior A hurling team in Kilkenny would probably compete at intermediate in most counties, um, and in yeah. some counties might even compete at senior, but. He was saying that there's twelve teams will play senior, twelve will play intermediate, and twelve will play junior, and that's the the 36 clubs and he said allowing each team has a panel of 25 players that's who gets to play hurling and if they have a second team or a third team but he, he pointed out that at the end of your career so Michael Dignan is 34, 35 and he's going to retire that there was a lot of other competitions the GEA were running that have just fallen away kind of like a legends tournaments the inter, inter-firm competitions you know even the, the things ran between the banks the guards all that have you noticed that whittling away um, yourself? Uh, it, it, it makes a way I, and I played in all them things uh, I played inter-firms often on a Monday evening after play. I remember one year after Leinster final on Sunday I played inter-firms Monday and I played bank army matches on a Friday before a county final one year down in Turles I remember playing the army and I was centre back for the bank AAB Dublin team when I worked at the bank and playing a county final that Sunday like it's amazing you look back now and people probably think you're mad but that was just the way it was it was a game on you played it um, and um, I think this is one of the biggest the, the general point, right? I'm going to make a general point here. 
I think it's one of the biggest issues in the GEA is the lack of game, the lack of games, and the game. Well, I, I can't say in every county, right? Some counties have a great games program, but it was certainly one of the biggest things in Offaly that number one day one with me was the games program for underage was an absolute joke. I have no problem saying that. We had a couple of hundred games a year, um, and like last year, we put in uh, our new coach and all came in. They looked at the games program, and not exactly sure what happened in front of me here, but I think there was something like two hundred and fifty or sixty games the previous year and we put again games program in with, in with over 600 games for the, for that year for last year now COVID came so that scuppered that but I have this and I have this at every level um, people will train and train and train but ask them to play matches there's a kind of a fear out there within clubs and everywhere else I don't know what, where it's come from and what it is but if you ask me and I'm sure you'll, you'll be the same and anyone anyone ever played you train where it's very important is you get the basics right when you're seven, eight, nine, that you have the ability to play because there's no point. And I think we lose that too in a lot of our training sessions. We're throwing in balls before kids know how to what to do with it. They're practicing their mistakes, but that, that's another day. But we come along then to a certain age group and we next thing we look at our games program and you could have a, you had a situation, I can only speak for often, but I know it happens in loads of other counties where, where, where an under 16, under 14 player might get five or six games a year or seven. They should be playing two games a week if you ask me, and that's why I love the hurling of football. Like, why not? Like, why not? Because I'll tell you why, because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of organization. It takes a lot of structure, referees, you know, pitches, all that type of thing. And there is a lot of, of there is a lot of work in it. And But the initial reaction when we even did it last year was, oh, well, he's playing under 13 and under 15. And I said, so it's a match Monday night and a match Friday night. Good. Because the only way you will develop as a player is if you're playing matches. Um, like at the end of the day you learn on the field and let them play don't be telling them what to do and just roaring it from the sideline and I do get excited and blame myself at times not with the players with some of the antics maybe from from from, from opposition mentors etc I do I, I have to put my hands up there but I, I would have been a firm believer in letting kids play and let them develop and make a few mistakes during matches um, uh, but but the lack of matches was a, was a huge bugbear and I think it's played a significant role in the decline of Offaly um, same with schools competitions we used to have brilliant Midland Leagues here in Offaly among the schools. Not They're all gone. They're, they're all things that we are looking at now, reinstating and, 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 and playing more matches. And to go to your, your, your more general, at an adult level, um, you're right, all those things, but they would have happened for a variety of reasons. Like the interference, it was, would have been seen as time off work and all this type of thing. We used to go from Dublin to Cork to play bank matches back in the day, which what harm was it doing? Like, you know, it, like things got just a bit, a bit, a bit PC everywhere other staff members were complaining that lads were going off playing matches during the day it was a nice break all right, in the middle of a week to go to Cork and the train and play a match and come back and have a few pints I suppose it wasn't really fair on the rest of them, but <laughs> no, we, but... we, we enjoyed it but he, no but he is right and like, I played till I was 42 I won a junior championship when I was 42 and uh, like having that access but but particularly whatever about on the social side that, that John, maybe John was talking about and having or not maybe on the social side open it up to that's up to that. That is a very, very, very valid point in terms of providing games for all levels of, of player, but particularly when they're at a, 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 a maybe a, a reasonable elite level at, at underage level, providing matches, I think, is a huge, huge issue around the country. Yeah, and see, what, what John's point then was kind of to a wider audience, and you're, you're, you're completely what I'm taking from your answer is you're completely agreement. And what John's point was that at the underage structures up along in the GEA, kids need to play 
loads of games like when we spoke about player burnout he just dismissed it he said no way I'm not even talking to you about player burnout he said it affects about a half a percent of players in the world he said players should play he said train and train and train and it should all be about playing 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 everyone should want to play so he felt that like that you'd nurture players and you'd teach them true games but at the same time as well as at the tail end of the career where somebody like yourself who would be kind of etched in, in, in sport in your county and like I, I see it with my own club any of the lads that played senior for Kenny like they're, they're let retire when they're stretchered off the field and told that they can't walk anymore that that's okay they, but we keep them going but he felt there was a nucleus of people that at maybe 35, 36, 37 that they were, they were kind of bet but they would be kept involved in the club if there was a, a seniors league or something like that that was just fun but it keeps them involved in the club and it makes it so much easier for clubs then to turn around and say, look, we need lads to help us with our under-10s or under-12s. Michael and Eddie and the lads are out there hurling on the Legends team. We'll go over and chat to the boys and see will they give us a dig out. With You know, that that we keep our membership high. Yeah. He was afraid the GEA was going to let people slip away when we can't afford it. Yeah, well, I would I would say, look, I was going to say that before you made the last point about trend. Like, I would I would sort of see it as, an, look, and I've gone through that playing, through the administration, getting involved with your club you know, and I would have never seen myself being the administrator, by the way. I would have seen myself involved in coaching and all that. But just things happen and you make decisions and you get involved for it. So I would have been very involved in underage coaching. Um, so I, I would say that that's probably, you know, is, is the next step. But 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 he's right in a general sense of this sort of lifelong involvement is what, you know, I would call it, that you, that you keep people involved through whatever whatever method but to, but to go back to his original point though or about when you're when you're a certain age like I, I went to boarding school uh, for six years I played hurling football and rugby at a decent level in school um, like we were in kind of colleges and everything I was in athletics handball soccer basketball volleyball squash an awful lot cross country run I trained every single day for six years and I played loads of matches. Now, I wasn't the most gifted. I wasn't a Brian Wheeler or Johnny Dooley. But I was never going to be bet for fitness or strength, even though I was skinny and all that. I was probably half starved. I don't know how I trained. But but the point I'm making is, and I played, I, I, I don't know how many matches. I often played, I probably played three matches a week. And I probably played, at 19, 20, I probably played three matches a weekend between hurling football and rugby. I played, I was, cause I played, played with Connacht under 20s in schools and all that. And it never did me any harm. And it would never burn. I've no hips, no knees, no nothing. Um, I have aches and pains, obviously. I have bad, my back isn't great and all that type of thing. But it's a complete myth about this player burnout. And it's it's only wrapping them up and they're not developing. And then you're wondering why they're not able to do A, B, C and E. Because they've never, they haven't learned it. And they haven't played in the muck and dirt in the winter where you develop character and personality. You take our great players, the most skillful players ever played the game, the Shefflins and the TJs down there and the Brian Whelans. Look at them in the depths of winter playing with their clubs and winning club all Ireland. Look at the displays they gave. That doesn't just happen by hurling against the ball wall. And, and, like, but, it, and it never will. And, so and, you have to get out and play. And but, we've lost that. And we will, We are going to reinstate that enoughly. And like like Michael, just just kind of on, it's kind of a two-sided to the same thing. The player burnout is one thing. Um, and, and I would agree with... With, with, with your own sentiments on that that we can kind of try and mollycoddle people too much and try and mind them but there was a second one on it as well and I, and I just want to get your own opinion on that too and it's it's with exams like you were saying about all the teams that you played with in, in, in secondary school so I'm sure leading up to your leaving cert and whatnot, like it, it's one of the things that drives me mad with my own club I have young players that are breaking into our senior panel now and like the other day we had, we had a, a Zoom training session which is the new norm and uh, when we were doing it two of the boys couldn't come on it because they were studying for the Leaving Cert which they're going to be sitting in 
when I don't know June and, and I kind of thought to myself you know they can't take one hour out of a week to train with a hurling team and, and, and get their own mental health right and get out in a bit of fresh air because they're being driven I, I don't know if it's if it's society that's doing it if it's the parents that's doing it it's the schools that do it like do you remember in secondary school do you remember leading up to your leaving cert your teachers telling you to put away the hurl and put away the balls and, 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 and constantly well, we, we, were actually, we were actually finished in we were finished in, in school probably in April or whatever you know that would be the, the school schedule would be over you know as per, as per but I wouldn't play with the club and the, I was actually 17 the first year and I, was, I, I played an intermediate club championship match I hadn't made the senior team in Rhinus at the time uh, I made it maybe later on that year, but I broke my hand actually in uh, the, the week before, about maybe ten days before the leaving start. I broke my hand fairly badly playing into me the hurling match and uh, cut the cast off and did the leaving. Uh, <laughs> I got the cast off and and uh, it was a great excuse because I had done shag all. Look, there's a balance there, right? There's a, there's definitely a balance there. And look, we all I think we realised look education is very important. We're not downplaying that whatsoever. Um, and the games program around the leaving start and that is is tapered off, you know. Uh, um, to a certain extent, but but I would agree with your with your general point. If somebody couldn't give two or three hours a week, like we, you can still, you know, and, and all joking aside, I w- we would have put in the effort for the leaving certain as as my own lads have gone through and done the leaving now and gone out to college. There would have been a balance there, you know, and it's a, a, a balance between do yes doing your study, but the importance of those training sessions, meeting up with your friends, which we can't do now. But in a general sense, we're we're not talking about COVID. We're talking about in general sense, meeting up that physical activity. Look at the amount of legendary sports people that have had highly uh, uh, highly successful academic and and, 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 and and work careers like look at Jack McCaffrey recently as an example a doctor who went through his you know the highest level of education and, and managed to combine his medical studies with, with winning five or six All-Irons with Dublin or whatever he won um, and there's loads and loads of examples of that so it is a complete nonsensical but it is an attitude that if you don't challenge it and I found this is the biggest thing even in my in, in my very initial months as chairman of Offaly County Board when I raised this that, that lads we're going to play more matches that there was a there was a bit of a oh Jesus and, and I think where the difficulty with the, with the player burnout is coming from and there is player burnout it's coming from over training it's not coming from over matches so if you take a lad that goes to college who's 19 or 20 in the Islamic County Senior Panel and the trainers the manager is insisting that he comes home for training and there is cases of this all over the country they come home two or three nights a week and then he's training with his college team and he's playing with the college then he might be playing under 21 and senior and if he's from a dual club and all that that's where the difficulties arise because of the lack of cooperation between maybe different management teams and that like instead of saying this is another thing that bugs me why can't he go to college and play with the Fitzgibbon or Sigerson team and when that's over go back and play with his county without it be seen as that you're letting down your county by not you know coming down on Tuesday and Thursday when you are training with the college and playing and having a social life a bit of a social life and and I think that was that's where the control of inter-county managers has, in some cases, crossed the line. And I'm hoping with COVID now that a lot of that has been pulled back and they can see, just we don't need to be getting together these three and four or five nights a week. The cost of it, the hassle of it, the the pressure on players travelling from all over the country. Like I guarantee none of our players' fitness is going to be any different. Their playing fitness is going to be affected by not training. But their actual physical fitness, they're getting their work done on their own. And it's created, what it, in my view it has done is, for from our point of view, it has created leaders within our hurling of football, young, very, very young players whose introduction to the inter-county, like we've, I think we have 13 players, 21 or under on the Offaly Senior Hurling panel at the minute. They all have to take this responsibility. They have to do this training. They have to grasp the nutrition. They have to cook their own meals or get them done at home. There's no no dinners for takeaway. There's no nothing. They're doing their Zoom class with their nutritionist. They're learning about cooking. None of that stuff has been done. And they're doing it now. And they're training on their own. And they're becoming better men for it and better leaders. So... But- um, I, 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 you know, I, I think um, that 
mollycoddle is the wrong word. It's that balance was kind of lost. That it was all control from from whether it be schools, parents, managers, whatever. And the individual was been was 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 been taken out of the equation. And the individual, for, certainly from an offly point of view, the individual was always hugely important. The individual ability to think for yourself, the individual ability to do things off the cuff on the field. And if you if you're not allowed to do that and grow as a person off the field, well, you certainly won't do it under pressure on the field in the Ireland final with 30 seconds to go. You'll make the wrong decision if you haven't been conditioned but to think for yourself. Just just on the point that you make about, about inter-county managers and the control of the takeover teams, I've seen it. I've seen it down in in in, in Wexford. Um, <clears throat> I've seen it last year with the the championship, the the club championships that ran off in Wexford. In in my opinion, um, in a ridiculously fast fashion uh, to, to to cater for their their senior hurling team, um, which I look, you know, without getting into it, I, I I just think it's 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 a bit of an insult. You kind of did get, you kind of yeah. did get into it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, it's, it's it, to do something like that. Like if I was if I was and I have done, I've trained teams in Wexford. I trained the Duffy Rovers in football uh, in Wexford, and it, for me. To, if I had been down there from January through to, to June getting that team ready for a football championship and then I got a, an email from the county board to tell me that we're going to run off the football championship in five weeks, you know, I would have been fairly annoyed about what it was done. But it's it's just the point that you've made about kind of say Fitzgibbons and Ashburns and clubs. If 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 the GEA was to be serious about it with the Fitzgibbons and, and, and the Sigersons and whatnot in, in football in Hurling, surely the directive should come from the GEA to state that if Michael Dignan is togging out for Waterford IT in, 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 in the Fitzgibbon, he's not available to Eddie Scally as the manager of the Offaly Hurling team for January or February. And that should be a rule that's 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 bang and he shouldn't be he shouldn't be treated differently by Eddie Scally when he comes back. That's that's not something the GEA are willing to do, I think. Um, see, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if it has to be because I am still available to play for Offaly if I'm in WIT, but I'm not maybe available to come up on Tuesday and Thursday night, you know, or for maybe Tuesday night. I'd be coming home maybe Friday for the weekend anyway. But like the, the stories all over the country, and you know them and I know them. My lad's been, you know, you have to come and maybe even after playing maybe a match with the college, go home and train that night with the county. Like pure abuse is what I'd call it, you know, as if it was in any way going to weaken their position as manager of the team or in any way going to make this young lad a better player. What about this guy after playing a match where he should be going for a few pints with his teammates and learning about life and social and, and that element of it when he's in college and go down training the next night and or go he'd be in the gym the next day himself anyway because all these lads are and and the but it, it so I think I think look that the perspective has been lost that it's a 365 days a year. Now I know we we look and going back 20, 30 years to my playing days, but where where we did train really hard, but we also had a bit of a life as well, you know. And sometimes we had a very good life, and we had a right bit of crack along the way as well. But that's kind of been that balance has been lost. But but I have to say, I I have to that that, that I think, see when things go in a particular way in any walk of life, then they become the norm and. It did become the norm that if you don't do this, and if I get up at seven in the morning, you better get up at six o'clock in the morning, or we're not going to beat you. And that is kind of important because if 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 Claire were running up mountains and we were playing them, well, we didn't train as hard, we weren't going to beat them. So that becomes your psyche, and that becomes your target. And the players want to do that. The players will do anything that they're told because, but I don't think they're always the best ones to make the decision because they're in that bubble and they will do whatever is required. So then I think the person outside of that, whether that be the county board or the managers or whatever, have to make sure that that the right procedures are being followed whether that be the type of things I'm talking about that you give them that bit of freedom to play Fitzgibbon or Sigerson or Ashburn or whatever else they're playing uh, in, in, and, and that, that you look at the individual and I have to say um, 
a man that, that has come up to us from Kilkenny, Michael Fenley, superb in, in, in terms of, of looking at the bigger picture. John Mohan with the footballers, the same thing. Our underage managers, we've, and it's a huge thing. I think the appointment of those people, you know, even from, from minor level up along, is so important to the development of those players. And that's another area that look, we, we, another time we'll talk about our, our strategic plan. A huge part of it is our whole player pathway. Um, pro, you know, giving them a proper advice at 15, 16, 17 about where they want to go in life and giving them that support and getting behind them and trying to, you know, um, if they want to go to college and what, uh, where to go, what to do, how they're supported. And if they want to make a career choice in their mid-20s, are we there to help them and support them and all that type of thing. That, that is hugely important having a player that's going to be with you and fully committed. And, you know, I, I, made, this, um, I made this point to John Mahon a few weeks ago. I was just chatting to him and I just said, he said, what are you trying to, what do you hope? And, uh, you know, and all this, and there's so many things you're trying to do. But that I said, I'd love a fella to turn around when he's 32 or 3 and he's finished roughly look back and say, that has been the best 10, 12, 15 years of my life. That'll never be matched no matter what happens. That has been an unbelievable experience. And that's, and, and, and I suppose that's what I had. Um, even though I was living in Dublin and travelling and up and down and all that but I loved it I jumped out of bed every morning up to my last day saying I've trained tonight and going home to meet the lads and all that type of thing and, and, and I think that's what we you know that's what it has to be and all the different facets that feed into that you know um, which is there, 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 there's massive amount that goes on in the background and it's just trying to make sure you're doing things as right and as properly as you can with the player experience right in the centre. And that's that's the core of our strategic plan is the player experience. It's right in the middle and everything else then revolves around that. And you you, you touch on Michael and John as as as, as your two intercounty team managers. Um, Michael Fenley, I have to say, to, to, to Brian Cody's uh, credit, um, it's, it's very easy to put credit on Brian Cody. He's had a fairly decent career. Already, I know but, what you're going to say, Leah. He... he, 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 he Kept him on when he was injured and couldn't train. And he did. And and, and yeah. if you watch the way he managed, um, and, and I see it here regularly, he manages the army boys the way he manages the the Ballyhale lads in particular at the moment with with their with their own runs with Ballyhale when the when it was the old way that they all are finally be in March. Um, like I remember meeting, um, I think it was TJ Reid was at a at a race meeting in Goran Park and I bumped into him there. And I had said to him, you know, were you training tonight with the county? And he kind of laughed. He said, Eddie, we won the All-Ireland last week with Ballyhale. He said, he hardly wants us back this week, you know. Um, and I, I was kind of shocked because I thought, you won the All-Ireland last week. Brian Cody be on the phone telling you, get in here next week, you know. And he didn't. He kind of gave the lads a bit of time to, you know, to have a bit of a break, enjoy winning the All-Ireland and then come back. And I think if you look at the way he's managed to, and I know he's lost lots of players through the years, but there's been a, a, the nucleus of Brian Cody's players they want to play for him and to stay with him right through and I'm sure that's something that you're hoping that Michael might be able to create that type of culture in Offaly Absolutely well I, look I, I, look, it's obvious to say but I'll say it anyway like look um, Brian Cody has been dealing with you know and it's something he created himself but one of the most successful years of all time in any sport and what Brian Cody has achieved and he's dealing with players that are you know, winning numerous already brings different challenges. Michael Fenley is coming in to a, a completely different situation and he'd be the first one to say we were all disappointed last year the way, you know, the, the way the year finished up and whatever. But um, we we have to rebuild a, a, a county here and rebuild, a, 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 say, a Hurling team. And I'm saying there's 13 lads, 21 are under and we're down to Christy Ring and we're in, you know, the footballers are probably a little bit more advanced in terms of their, their in Division 3 in football. But, you know, that they, they're probably a little bit ahead in terms of their age profile, their development, physical development, all that area of things. And they're, they're probably a couple of years ahead in the cycle, if you, if you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. So Michael is there, Michael is there with an unbelievably 
uh, unbelievable young squad. There is obviously more experienced players, but they're, they're they're very passionate about what they're doing and representing Offaly. And there's a there's a process involved in that, like because it's not just going to happen. Like there's a, they, we're going to have to build, and I and, and that's what I'd be very impressed with Michael. His overall view, his overall understanding of all of these players as individuals, and the individual work that have to be done with them, and then bringing them together collectively. And you know, if we we believe in Michael Fenley in Offaly. Michael Fenley is going to need time to do that, and it it will pay off. I've no doubt about that. And I know I'd have I'd have I'd have huge regard. Like Brian Cody dealt with Michael Fenley in a particular way because the man was a, an unbelievably integral part of that team. He was one of the greatest midfielders of all time, um, and he was able to produce a massive level of performance despite the fact maybe that he wasn't doing that that level of training. But he had that power and that presence and that ability. To do that, that, that I suppose that mental strength to go out and, and even what he did with Bally Hale finishing up there at centre back when he when he when he really couldn't train at all was incredible. So so there there are personal attributes that that Michael Fenley will obviously be trying, but but I think he'll also be looking at the at, at the bigger overall view of, of of all of these players individually and collectively and what they need. And and, and John Mahan is the same. They have a huge interest and passion in the players, and they're not from the county. And because that's something to me that is so important. I, I think I'd be like that myself. I think if I went to train a, a club team or a county team anywhere in Ireland, I think I would invest that sort of, I think it's so important that you have that that in, that, that love of it or that interest or that, that sort of passion for it. Otherwise, you know, if you're there for any other reason, well, then, it, you know, it's, 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 it's not going to work. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Look, it's a journey. None of us know where, where it's going to go over the next uh couple of years two or three years with the hurlers like how are they going to develop are we going to get back up there that's the aim that you know we get out of Christian we get to and maybe John McDonough and get back to Lee McCarthy and we and, and but it, it won't be sustainable long term unless we unless we keep, make sure that we we fix our, our structures and we have our clubs going well our schools going well and the one thing that I keep saying around the county too is that we enjoy it because uh, it's a hobby at the end of the day even though we put an awful lot of time into it and everything else but you know we should be doing it with a smile on our face I just find a lot of the time you know, in clubs and in counties, that it's Jesus, it's it's hard work and it's dragging us down, and it and that all comes from negative energy and in terms of and you know and maybe all the focus on money and trying to raise money and all that type of thing. So trying to get that sorted and out of the way, and then power on and think about hurling and football and playing their matches and getting out in the field and winning and losing and enjoying it, and that's what it's all about. So like, there's a, there's a, you have to you you have to really maybe. I think realize why you're doing it and why you're involved. And at the end of the day, it's about what happens on the field. It's not really about anything else. But an awful lot of stuff gets bogged down in the background, um, and that that needs to be there and happening and functioning properly for the I think for the teams to be able to to, to express themselves on the field properly. No, a hundred percent. I'm going to go into a kind of a little rapid fire round with your hair now, right, Michael? And it's it's just honest, straight answers on this. If if. I just want your own honest opinion on it. Um, you, the questions are loaded in the way that you'll know my opinion on it by the way they're asked. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll start off the, the first one. And it's, I don't know, think I'm capable of giving any other sort of an answer. <laughs> honest on any of it, really. um, but, it gets but me it, in trouble a lot of times. Well, the, the first one I'm going to touch on, and this is a very wide spectrum that we're going to hit on, but literally take as little as long as you want on it. The minor championship being changed to an under 17 championship, was it an own goal by the GEA? I think so, yeah. Um, you, you, yeah. You, you think it was, yeah. It was. I, I tell you what, I'll tell, I, I won't take long on it. I, yeah. um, I think at the time it was done. Um, 
it was do- it was done at the time to um and I can see both sides of it. It was done at the time, I think, because the age I was up against leaving certain all that and it was all that area things and then most kids started doing the transition year and all that, so they actually became older. Most of them were 19, so they're not in that under 18 category in school and whatever, and leaving cert. And then I know from Michael Dempsey's work and Brian Cuthbert and Cork and the development that they felt the fall off rates were massive. So, like, they're, they're now trying to, you, you know, that they're, that the 17 will literally become just a competition that won't be in All Ireland, that it's more taking part and keeping the numbers up and all that. So, there is a lot of research and work gone into that about, about retaining numbers, and the fall off is massively dramatic you know at, at that sort of 15 16 age group um across it's like off the cliff like around the country so 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 that 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 is scientific uh research going into that and trying to maintain those numbers um and keeping as many people playing as you can and all that but at the same time um i think from a purely uh players or a competition point of view under 17 is very young, 15, 16 year olds playing in Crow Park and all that and all that in their development. Like it's the wrong stage. And uh, and then the gap then from 17 to to, 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 to 20 is a is a, is a big like the like at least they're getting to 18 and you're 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 nearly out of 18 if you're if you're going to be playing, you're going to be on the yep. club under 20 or 21 team or the junior team or whatever or senior team, you'd be you'll be making the way. So that year is is a killer to try to fill that gap. Okay, hundred percent. The, the the second one is the the GEA the actual the um, the umbrella of the GEA the, the ladies Gaelic football association standing on their own the Camogie association standing on their own and the GEA standing on their own is it now time that we all sit down and amalgamate all them bodies and work under one umbrella um yeah we've talked about it earlier in 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 the chat um yeah i look i i i'd be straight and honest about it. i think the ladies football and camogie have to get a better working relationship first um you know they can't like the clashes with fixtures and that type of thing that's between the two of them, I think is a, I think the GA from our point of view are very open uh, to it. I think there will be, have to be some thought put into, you know, um, like if you look at it in most clubs, uh, you mentioned it yourself, you work with Camogie in your own parish. Most clubs already are facilitating, most GA clubs are facilitating uh, ladies football and Camogie within their own clubs and rightly so, right? So it's not that big. It's, it's then how you get into the nitty gritty, the administration of this of, of the games and that's where i think all the, a lot of these problems are going to are going to arise but i think that the baby steps are um are very obvious like in, in club is, is to have access to your your pitches for boys and girls the, your first experience in the ga in my opinion you should be walking through the gates of your own club wherever you live no matter how small that club is uh, you should be going through the gates and that's where you should be starting and then if you have to go to another club then um, to you know, when you get to match age to, to 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 get games, that's fair enough. But your your initial experience should be in your own club with boys and girls, whether that's five or six or seven kids under ten, or under seven or under eight or six on a Saturday morning. That's where you should start, in my view, and then you take it from there. So I think that then, if you do that and you have the boys and girls come and everyone is going to the field, they're playing a bit of hurling and football, and then they go up along and they, and and you, you move out from there. So I think yes, I think it's going to take time, but I do think that you you, you certainly have to see. You have, you'd have to see the the calendar of events like I because I, I stay I can't get my head around these clashes that with dual players being asked to play maybe two big matches within 24 hours or play match fixing matches on the same day and this type of thing so I think there's work to be done in a lot of areas but it is the way forward as far as I'm concerned perfect the the new split season that we're after getting announced last during the last couple of weeks there that, that, that we're going to have a split season um okay I think everybody in in general thinks it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to have the split season and it kind of gives a bit of definition but my question to you would be 
do you see the split season working in the sense that if you have county teams are being told that the county championships is from A to B and then it's club championship, are you going to have a scenario where club managers are going to be losing players because county managers aren't going to stick to their own split season? Um, I think there could be a couple of issues that are going to arise out of it. Uh, I think, first of all, I think in general terms, it's well worth going with. You know, it, it does give us a, a fresh canvas in terms of plotting and putting in your Sigurdsson and Fitzgibbons and the other things we talked about. And in terms of giving, you know, putting the club back at the centre, I think, which is very, very important. And that, But but there will be issues. There's no doubt about that. One of the things I see arising is, is a lot of county players going away for the summer are going away in the early part of the summer when they're finished and, you know, if they're beaten in, their, in, in if they're beaten in the county championship, um, we're talking about the All-Ireland Finals being around the end of July, like you're only going to have a couple of teams involved. So most teams are going to be out in June. So I think you could have a lot of college students. I know they go already, but that could be an issue for the early stages of the club championships that they could be gone. Um, I think there'll be management needed around the return to inter-county training. You know, if, if it's the first six months of the year, well, November, December, like a proper close season. I think, I think that is so important. I think that's that rest period for everybody, that month off or whatever it's going to be, where there is actually, or three weeks or whatever the case, where there's no training, no activity, recharge the batteries for everybody, I think is very important. Um, but I think in general, I, I, I do think it's a good thing. I think it gives a, I think it gives a, a very defined, I think it, sh- it shortens the inter-county uh, season. It gives players more time with their clubs and it should, we should see we should see, I know I think we saw it last year, uh, certainly saw a huge benefit of the county players being training with their clubs more. You know, it, it does, like whatever about a bit of overlap, which there will be here and there, but there will be a period of 12 or 14 weeks where the lads will be with their clubs all the time or maybe a bit longer. Um, uh, well, it should be six months, but you, you know the point I'm making during the season, that they will be training all the time. And I think it will be hugely beneficial to their clubs to, to you know, having those role models and leaders, the county players, there so often I think will rub off on all the other players and rub off on the standard and it'll rub off on the, the, the younger players uh, buying into it so I, I, I think overall it was it was kind of forced through because of the and rushed through because of COVID but it is a long way ahead of where we are which was all over the place so I think it, it, it's, it's worth, a worth a try Perfect and th- This is a strange question for you um, I, I, I do wonder about these things sometimes I'm a bit of a lunatic when it comes to certain things but I would imagine, and the question is, it's it's basically crack after games for players, the crack after the games. I would have no doubt in my mind it would have been far more crack winning the All-Ireland with G in 94 than winning it with Limerick this year. I know if, if pubs were open and whatnot. And what, I'm, what I mean is, are we less social? Are, is, is it less of a social thing now? Is it is it gone nearly professional? Like it, I'd say the stuff, the, the crack that you had after some games are awfully, I'd say is the stuff a legend. Um, it. I don't seem to see that anymore. Uh no, I wouldn't agree with you. I right. wouldn't agree with you. I think the lad, I think the lads have a great time now. I th- I do. I think that's overplayed. I think where I see it is just, but their focus is so like a lot of them they don't want it. You know, they, they are so focused on training and you know and their gym work and everything else. They're at it all the time. It's just it, that's just a culture, a thing that's happened through maybe you know all this trend that went on in the culture change. I I I um, I do think there's there, you know. My own view of it, I think, I, I, I do think to have, to have, it's different, right? Like we, we something, I put it this way, right? It had happened to us. We could be training uh, of a of a day and next thing someone could say, we'll go for a pint after training and it might even be a couple of weeks out from the championship match or we might just meet 
you know, we might say we'll have a couple of pints just to talk about something that's coming up four or five or six of us, and you could end up going the beer out of nothing. You know that kind of thing. I think that's gone, right? And that sort of impromptu thing that which which we did, or maybe just that that end of things and that sort of crack. But I think in terms of the lads themselves, though, I don't know a lot of these inter-county uh, players and setups now, but 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 I, I do know that they have a different type of crack than we would have maybe had. But they do have great they do have great times after matches, and even at I see that at club level and and the whole lot. So I and I do I don't agree with that. I think there's great characters out there still. I think they're maybe hidden away a bit more. You know, they're not as exposed. I think that's not a good thing either. I think you know I always make that point. If a lad can't talk to the radio or the paper on a Tuesday night, how is he going to play in front of 50 or 60,000 or 80,000 on a Sunday? You know what I mean? He, I, I don't think he does them any favours, but but at the same, so that kind of fear of media crept in, but I, 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 I'm hoping that might change a bit too. I think this, there might be a little bit of a culture change on here with this, but you know, even with this, with maybe the shorter inter-county season, back with their clubs, more interaction. I'm, I'm, I'm just sensing maybe, and maybe I'm being a bit unrealistic about this. Maybe it will roll back into the old way when we get back to normal. Um, but I'm just hoping there will be a little bit more access to players and there will be a little bit more relaxed attitude towards the towards the county game. At the end of the day, only one team can win the All-Ireland every year, but 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 I do think the lads do enjoy themselves, um, um, but it's it's probably not encouraged as much, and I suppose it's how it's dealt with even. Like we, we would have understood we had a few characters on the team that might go for a pint now and again when they weren't supposed to or whatever, but there was never a question of being dropped off the panel or anything happening. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just... There might be a bit of a rap in the knuckles. Like, sure, it's like it's not it's not an unnatural thing for a twenty-four or five or six-year-old man to drink a few pints on a Wednesday or Thursday night. The next question onto it there, which is there, and it's a fair point as well that you've made there, and I agree with you. The the next one is the the slitter and the equipment that we're using, the hurls themselves and the slitter itself. I know it's a contentious enough issue, um, I, I, without knowing for definite, I assume the hurls are getting better. The slitters, I've been told a million times, aren't lighter, but for some reason, you know, like when when you played, there was no one shooting from their own forty five and putting it over the bar from a free. Um, what's changed, and and is it something we need to address? Um, I I think the hurl, I think the slitters are a bit lighter. Uh, they are lighter, uh, but they, but they're probably b- b- slightly better quality. But the hurls are hugely better. Like there's a huge, huge difference in the quality of the size of the boss of like the the standard size of a boss of a hurl. Like you go back and look at the nineties. I actually was up in Gats in in, in Drumcullum where where, where um, my lads get their hurls one day there a few years ago. I brought up a few of the young lads who were getting a few hurls and I was trying to explain to them about the old hurls and Brian Gat up there went in the back and he brought out one of Brian Whelan's. He, he had a hurl of Brian's that he used to make the hurls off. You know what I mean? So he kept an old one in the in, in the shed years ago and the lads cut as they were in the stitches. They said, how could you hurl with that? Like The, the width of the boss was only a, you know, a couple of inches or whatever. It was nearly like a hockey stick now and, and they were even worse going way back you know obviously uh, back in the, in the 50s and 60s and all that type of thing so there's a huge difference because the sweet spot is way bigger and all that and I think also the lads are way stronger you know from the gym and they're, they're physically they mightn't necessarily be maybe as hardy as a John Power or a Kevin Keenan that has a raw strength you know from uh, from from working and from whatever but they have a they have a massive you know physical strength now as well and 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 the quality of the horns is so good and they all use these short horns as well and so I think it's a combination of things I think it's it's a better better equipment stronger maybe more skillful because i think that uh you know i i would say there, there's a lot more purer strikers now maybe than in our day you know what i mean i put myself in that category as well you know that 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 they are that they probably um that, that there probably is um an increase in, in 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 their actual ability as well in their wrist work as well so i think it's a combination of a lot of things what to do about it see is the risky thing because 
Johnny Pinkman made a very good point recently that uh, he doesn't do that too often, but he uh, <laughs> he, uh, he 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 made a point about the defending. And I don't know if you heard that when he said that there's no defending. Like he said, um, teams are scoring 25, 6, 7, 30 points a game. And he said, where's the back? Like, where, where is he? Uh, like, uh, Garrett Hegarty, who gave one of the great exhibitions in the Ireland final this year, did he score seven from play and maybe could have scored yeah. 10 points from play? Like, Johnny's point was that shouldn't be happening. Now, regardless of the hurl or the size of the hurl or the weight of the ball, where is the man that's marking him? And I think that's a very valid point. And where, so we have sweeper systems, defensive systems. Uh, we've, we're told there's five or six different game plans by some managers on different game days. Well, one of the most basic things to me would be mark your man anyway, uh, as you'd be told a million times as a young lad, you know, touch tight, be on him, be close to him, where is he, where is he going? And that seems to have evaporated with all these plans. So we'll have seven or eight lads back in the back line, and yet all the boys have to do is drift out 70 yards out the field, take a sharp ball and pop it over the bar. So it's very easy to break it down when you have the right players to do it, with the ability to do it. So I would say, you know, that that's a factor as well. And and I think if you, if you start restricting... If you make the ball heavier um, and maybe you start in not seeing the high scoring spectacles and you're kind of you're you're tinkering with the with the game to make it work, it can be it could be a dodgy place to go um, because like do people want to go back and see where I would have seen classic games um, that would be very, very low scoring. I would appreciate them, but will the general public appreciate them now? I'm not sure they will or the players will they appreciate it that you know, if you make the ball that bit heavier and they're now not able to. So I don't think there will be an appetite for that type of change. But I would say maybe we could go back and start teaching the art of defending again. OK. Um, the refereeing. Now, not I'm not going to give you to in general. I'm not going to just say let's criticise referees all over the world. But with yeah. with the ball, the movement of the possessions now, I, I, I watched a, 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 a yoke in WIT last year where they had, they were trialling and they were watching some of the goalkeepers for the length of the puckouts. And the goalkeepers were hitting the puck out from their own small square and the first bounce of the ball was in the 21 of the opposition forward line. This is how far they were driving their puck outs. And the question I'd ask you there is, look, the referees, they already have a tough job. They always did have a tough job. But with the fact that the ball has the potential to travel at that speed, the length of the field, is it now time that the GEA start looking at maybe having a situation where you'd have two referees, one in either half, or is that just complete lunacy? I, I don't see. I, I just think logistically and to make it happen and for every match, I, I just think it wouldn't be possible. That's been honest with you. I think it's it, 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 just getting referees, recruiting referees, training referees. And that's something, that, in fairness, again, last year, Brian Gavin and came in as the chairman of our referees committee and Damien Brazil, who was a fantastic inter county football referee, he's the, he's the referees administrator. And the lads have grasped that straight away and, and gone about training the lads that are there, grading them. Uh, bringing in new referees because it's not a, it's not an area that many people want to get involved in with the level of of criticism and abuse that they get. But and uh, and I said it earlier on the show, I'd be a good man myself to let him know, roar at as well. So you need, but but so I think all that end of things needs so much attention from a starting point of view before we even move to the second to, to the second one. I was just thinking there when you were talking about the length of that puck out that that definitely if I had that goalie, there'd be no sharp puck outs. <laughs> get it get it into the danger zone as quick as you can. But. Uh, <laughs> I I I um I so I I I, th- I think I have a lot of sympathy for the rest, and then we, look, we're bringing in that, you know, that rule now with the with the, for the cynical play phone, and yeah. black card and all that. So like there is a there is an awful lot, and I think the danger is to see maybe you could bring it in at county level, but you you could never have a situation. I don't think at club level where where you'd have you're going to have two referees at at matches. Um, I can't see it happening. Um, 
and and I think in general, you know, in, in, in all the given out that we all do, in most cases when it when it's done and dusted, you know, all people really are looking for. It. I think anyone will acknowledge a referee that makes a few mistakes. It's 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 once they're consistent. You know, that's the one thing that we all say that you know, you know, you, he's riding us like you don't want that. But if he's riding the two teams, well, fair enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I I think it's look, it's always going to be a bone of contention. One thing I did suggest a number of years ago was probably at inter-county level at uh, for championships. I, w- I, w- I would look to have a panel of semi-professional referees. Um, I think that are very well trained, that are very au fait with the rules, that are very fit, that, you know, in the modern game, they can keep up, that have a, and, and, and that we look after them properly. Because no more than a player, like, you, you know, a referee goes to referee in Ireland finally, he brings his four umpires with him um, and he gets a meal for the master game and maybe 50 quid or something. Like, that's archaic, you know, in terms of, of, of the treatment of those people that are responsible one bad mistake and the all Ireland can be the, the, the result of the match can be decided by you know and, and we're expecting the guy to pick up his four umpires that morning and drive or the night the all Ireland final to go up the night before but do you know the point I'm making that yeah I, I feel if, we, if I feel if we if we had a pa- a career pa- or a pathway there in refereeing that you know that if we had an inter-county panel of 10 hurling 10 football referees that are elite referees and and, and that there's there's obviously turnover on them. There'll be terms and conditions around it. But that for championship matches that you get, that like that, that, that there is, it's not, it's not, these lads aren't doing it. Ref, there's no referee in the world doing it for money. They, they get a few quid and they earn it, right? But 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 when you take their expenses and they're traveling around because matches are in different parts of counties and all that, they're, they're only breaking even uh, in terms of, of what they're doing, the time they're giving up and, and, and what they're doing. But if you had, a, I think if you had that structure and you had that sort of level that you would give, you, you would give maybe people say, "Just I would make, get involved in ref and, and I get into this panel and I'd be involved at that level, and you know, and assessments and proper assessments." I I was actually in the hotel in Dublin one day last year, before the lockdown. I was I, I was waiting on somebody for a meeting and uh, and I at a at a table over me I saw this thing going on. I was wondering what it was and it transpired. Uh, I was talking to one of the guys after. It was a Leinster Leinster rugby referee. A couple of club refs were brought in. And this guy was doing their assessment and he was doing it on a laptop with them and going through the thing. Why did you make that decision? A couple of mistakes they made. And I thought it was brilliant. You know, it was so informative. It was, it was a lovely atmosphere about the way the meeting was taking place. They were having a coffee. Um, there was no, it wasn't Jez's year. Like I think they're brought up to Crow Park and they're in a room with all the other refs and they're pointing out their mistakes. You know, that's not, not the way to do it as far as I'm concerned. So I think there's certainly, uh, I think there's, there's certainly an evolution needed in terms of refereeing. And I think, it's a thing we kind of put in the long finger a little bit and we it's easy to sit back and I'm doing commentaries and I blame and I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of that and critical referees that's my job when I'm there if he, if I feel he makes a mistake I have to call it um, but at the same time I, I, I would try now as I, I think as a mature I would be trying to pick out the, the positives of, of what they're doing as well but, but I think it's an area we, 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 we have to be very we have to be very mindful because we're talking about games programs there earlier on and growing a games program in Offaly and we're going from 250 or 60 underage matches to 600 matches. Well, then we need that many more man hours of referees. That's the thing we're very, very conscious of. So we have to find 15, 20 new refs and we have to get them trained and we have to get them graded and we have to make sure they're not out of their depth. So like, you can't have games without the refs. I know it's an old cliche, but yeah. I think we underestimate the importance. No, no, 100%. The, 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 the two questions left. The second last question is, now I'm not just saying just managers, but the whole antics on the line in, in hurling and football, it's, I don't know if they're all watching the Premiership or, or what's happening, but it seems to be, like a couple of years ago, Nolan Park, a selector caught a quick free. Like, uh, where does it stop? And what's your own thoughts on this type of stuff? It's, it's 
do, do you know what I mean? Like we've had, it, and I've seen a couple in Nolan Park. I've seen a, a manager shoulder in a player in Nolan Park. I've seen a selector catch a ball in the middle of a game in Nolan Park. Uh, with, with no, the selector didn't even like, get thrown that's out. Only, that's only that's only a Galway fella from yeah. was with Dublin. Uh, Kendi, I wouldn't mind him. He's not normal. But, uh, but like, <laughs> where does it stop? Like, you know. uh, well, look, it is, it is, and look, it is being. Rest- I think again, John Covert was restricted, and the Mirror Ferna has been restricted now. Uh, like, it goes back to what I was saying there, John. I think, uh, you know, I think nearly when the game starts, like the, the rugby attitude that the game is on now is down to the players. Um, would be a very healthy way to be. Will it ever happen to GA? No, because we're all, you know, and when when you're allowed that position then on the line where, where you actually can influence a game and, um, you know, I'd be, I, I, I'll tell a story against myself where I was on the line with, her, with, with one of our club teams there last year and I was very conscious I'm chairman of the county board now and I just stood there with my arms folded for the game. We lost by a point. There's no way we would have lost the game if I wasn't chairman of the county board um, because I just let stuff go all over the place because, you know, so I, I, you know, I actually think about this myself. If I ever get back involved with the team again, I I think maybe my place would be in the stand, um, watching the game uh, because I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is an area. It is mad, and it, and it is passion. And you see, you can't kill that either because it's what makes us. To it. It's it's the love of our club or our parish or county uh, that drives that. Um, um, but but it can be. It can get out of hand at times. And look, uh, um. There are mechanisms there to control it, but I, I think it'll be something that'll be there. But I, it is something I've said before that maybe certain managers in particular, they probably would be better off and the team would be better off if they were in the stands. They would probably play better because um, I remember one of our managers, and I won't name him now because I have great respect for them all, but he actually, for a couple of years, intimidated me sort of quite badly because I used to be on the side of the field and he, every time you went for a ball, he was do this, do that, go there, go there. And Jesus, you were more distracted by his presence than you were about what was happening and, and and I was well focused on when I was playing but he did actually impact negatively on my performance because I, I, I was so conscious of the fact that I was on I was on that wing in front of him all the time and he was nearly and you, you, you nearly felt you nearly got paranoid to say he's able to see me you now the lad over the other wing he's not looking yeah. at him at all and you're sort of, you're thinking like this instead of concentrating on the game and so it can have a negative effect on players if it's not done it's a thing I would have been very conscious of I would never ever shout in and criticise a player I'd only say encourage or maybe give it, make a remark but what does a lot of it mean anyway like if you hear some of the stuff that's shouted in it actually means nothing it doesn't have any sense in the English language like I'm not going to use some of the terms now but you know what I'm coming from whereas if you're if you're if you're given instruction that's a completely different thing so so I think I, you know I, I think when you're when you're when you're looking at your setup in your club or in your county and you're looking at being successful you have to be very mindful of what that interaction on the sideline is doing to your team on the field because I've seen teams lose their discipline completely, giving away three and four late frees that cost them games, all that, all down to their losing the head on the sideline and not making the right decisions and choices. So it it it, it, it it's not just as, as simple as, as it being misbehaviour by the people involved. It's also the impact it has on the players on the field is very important. No, 100%. And the final question I have for you today, Michael, is our, our pathway back to playing again um, in these COVID times, is it? Is it? What's your own opinion on it? Like, kids are back in national school; they're in secondary schools. What? 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 What would your I'm, thinking be? I'm very frustrated. I would. I would say, Eddie. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I just can't believe some of the stuff that I'm hearing. I think the lack of leadership, the lack of urgency around this thing, is appalling. Um, I, you know, how anybody can tell me that you can put. And I'm, I'm not anti the school's been open. I don't have a strong you know, opinion about that. But if they're back in school, it has to go hand in hand that they're back on the field training and playing and, and enjoying themselves. And, and it, it, like it has been proven uh, that 
you know, 70,000 kids did the cool camps last year. There was one case of COVID and it didn't come from the cool camp. It came from a, a first communion. Um, you know, there is no link. So how can you say that a kid is safe in a classroom, which was said last night on a, on a, a, by a prominent member of, of Neffet, but you can't have uh, you, you can't have a playmate or you can't have a play an, an Easter camp or whatever the case may be to me it makes no sense whatsoever and I think we have to be very very careful we're focusing in and rightly so on our cases and 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 protecting our health service and and and, and, and protecting our vulnerable and elderly but we have to get we have to we have to get the vaccine out uh, you know I know there's been issues in, in sourcing it but we have to there has to be an urgency around that get back get our vulnerable get our elderly get them vaccinated and then open up our society, uh, outdoor society. And I'm safely, and I'm not in any way been. Jesus, nobody has. We've been so careful and awfully to adhere, and we have. We've a, we've huge spike at the minute in cases. We have a number of, you know, between schools and and I think there was a crash in a couple of couple of different areas, funerals and and travel community. There was an outbreak. So we 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 we're we're in a bad way at the minute in terms of our numbers on a national scale. But we have to we have we have to. I I, I really strongly believe that the damage that we're doing. Um, is the damage we're doing to people is is massive, and we're we're maybe not we're not looking at this in an overall point of view, in a bigger picture point of view at the minute. It, all the focus is is in one particular area, which is very very important. But we have to look at reopening, um, whether that be a game of golf or a game of tennis, not just our young people. Um, Eddie, I think where I think that's a no-brainer. I, I'm not looking for matches to start back up or anything like that. We know we can't. We're not in that place yet in the country. But in terms of of outdoor activity, giving us a bit of hope. Letting a guy play a game of tennis or a game of golf, let our kids out to do a bit of trend. Let our adults, you know, I think our adults are, are, are doing a bit of trend on their own, you know. Anyway, they have more more maybe more ability to do that. But but I think I think uh, I think our all it's it this is, I would have had a lot of sympathy for our younger people in the early stages of COVID. Now I have it for everybody in society, and I, I don't want to go into specific cases, but I've seen a couple of of horrific tragedies. One particular case of of a, of a man in his eighties who who took his own life last week. I knew him very very well. In another county, I just knew him from a past life. He was an absolute gent, and he was just out of pure loneliness. And not, and he was in a big town. It wasn't like he was rural isolation or anything like that. Um, but he wasn't just meeting anybody or seeing anybody. And he thought it was, he thought it was his only way out there. Um, and, and a neighbour of his had done it six weeks previously. Another man in his eighties. So, like we we have we have to look at the bigger picture here. And 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 nobody is looking for any. Like I'm certainly not looking for matches to resume yet. I'm not looking for indoor. You know, that's another day's work in terms of. Uh, uh, the hospitality sector they can fight their own corner that when the time is right but I'm just talking about letting people you know letting kids meet up if they can go into a classroom to meet they can go in and have a bit of exercise and a bit of fun and 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 we, we have to look at expanding that out across all our age groups and, and seeing, making sure people have a little bit of interaction and physical and mental fitness No that's absolutely brilliant Michael thanks so much for being so open and, and generous with your time today um, from everybody here at KCLR and the Clash Act itself we wish you the very, very best for the for the season ahead with both the, the with all the teams and Offaly in your role as chairman. And uh, we really, really look forward to seeing a, a resurgence in, in in all GEA sports up in Offaly. Yeah, well, look, we hope so, Eddie, and thanks a million. And uh, and um, no, just uh, to say, in Kilkenny again, like, uh, just again the other day reading about that academy and you know what they're what they're looking at again and the players getting involved and all that. Like, it's just it's very encouraging because that's the type of thing that I think we need. You know, across, to see the lads willing to come back in and give their time and. Again, after all their success, to go back and look after the next generations, and I suppose look, it's an example. I know you don't have the, the big ball down there, but you're certainly you're 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 mindful of the future when it comes to hurling and camogie. So, um, best of luck to, to to everybody in Kilkenny as well. 
Brilliant. No, thanks a million. That is, of course, Michael Dignan there of Offaly GEA joining me this week on the Clash Act podcast. I look forward to speaking to you all next week with another guest. Thanks very much.